He makes us whole. He brings that not just physically, but in many areas of our life. Um, in the bulletin, it opens up there. God is concerned about our spiritual maturity. He wants us to experience his presence and the life-changing power of his word. He desires that we live victorious and enter heaven without regrets. I, I had to stop and I had to ask myself about that. What about the regrets that I've had in life? Um, and I'm sure we've all had those. But let's engage his, pri- engage his priorities so that we do see his presence, his power, and his handiwork move among us now. Let us live to learn a life down here that will matter up there in heaven. And his presence and his word makes all of this possible. I want to talk today about the ministry of the church. And it really makes a whole lot of sense with this. Just look at this generation. How old are you? 22? You're just a young whippersnapper. Luke and Emma, how old are you guys? 21? You didn't have to. Well, you're, you're at the place where 21 is still good. Um, Clay? 20? Christian? And then you have, of course, Caleb's up here playing. Look at this generation. That's awesome. Honey, did you say 25? <laughs> My wife said she was 25. Um, but look, and then I look around and I see, you know, Mary up here and Nathan and Gabe helps out with kids and Emily helps out and Corey and Neely and Sydney. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking and, and so blessed by what, who God has put all the, gen- are, are they perfect? No. But is your generation perfect? Is my generation perfect? No. But man, we have close. <laughs> did you mean, except for humility? <laughs> so did you say you were closer to getting to God? Is that what you meant by that? <laughs> getting to heaven? Um, that was an old joke, sorry. Turn with me, actually don't, yeah, turn, turn to Hebrews, we'll be there in just a moment, but I want to talk about the ministry of the church today, and, and talking about this specific, specific generation and our younger generations, even all the way down to our babies, we're wanting to instill something in their lives that in the word of God for themselves, that they are people, we're going to talk in a little bit, who desire the meat of the word and not just the milk of the word, we're going to break that down today, that's a, a passage that we've heard about. But um, I want to ask you a question. Why are you here at church today? Why did, why did you come to church today? To give God praise? To celebrate? Fellowship? Learn? Yeah, those are good answers. That's what, God's, that's what God says we should do. Yeah, those are all great reasons to be here today. All good, great reasons to be here today. I want us to look at our memory verse starting out today, and this is going to uh, be the diving board, the springboard for um, our message today. But this is uh, Colossians 1.22. It's actually kind of the middle part of Colossians 1.22. Let's read this together. You ready? It says, As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Now, as I read this verse, I think, boy, I don't know that I can declare that whole verse and for it to be a true statement because I have faults. Anybody in here without fault besides Lisa this morning? <laughs> that was perfect, Lisa. Oh, you, you pointed out the humility thing, Mike. So, yeah, that's, that's it right there. But as we stand before him because of Jesus Christ, this is how he sees us. Of course, as we have a repentant heart and we submit and humble ourselves before him, his goal, God's goal, and our goal should be to complete every person 
are to present every person complete in Christ. That's the mission of the church. That's what we're talking about today, the ministry of the church. We want to work hard so that we can present people to Jesus on, in heaven as complete before him. So we strive hard. Thank you, teachers. Thank you, parents who bring your kids. Thank you uh, if you're not involved in that, but you pray for our, 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 our uh, children's ministry and uh, on up through our Monday motivation, which is happening, to Monday night, happening tomorrow night for our um, 20-something-year-olds. Thank you for doing that. You have a part in this. Our goal as, the as a church is from babies all the way up through the oldest person here in the church to work hard, to, pre to preach the gospel, to encourage, to love on one another so that we're presenting each other to the Lord complete. That's the ministry of the church that I want to talk to us about today. When your life is over and earth is done, we should be able to stand before the Lord complete at the judgment seat of Christ. By the way, you know that there will be a judgment seat even for believers. The Bible talks about that. Now, it's not whether there's the judgment, whether you are in heaven for eternity or in before the Lord and, and those other things. Um, but we're not going to get into all of that today. Um, it's the job of the church to make sure that you are presented complete. And there's things that we have to do within that as well. But let's just go with this theme for a moment. We stand with you, the church. We stand with you as you look to mature in Christ. I say that to every person in here. We stand with you, the elders who pray, the staff who work hard and pray for you, uh, the, the volunteers. You know, by the way, we're all looking at each other, right? Because we all have a part in this. We stand with you as you look to mature in Christ. The youth met on Friday night. They had a, wasn't a sleepover. For some, it was a sleepover, wasn't it? Some people fell asleep, but they had a lock-in. And, you know, even at their age, they are looking to encourage one another. So did they have fun? Sure they did. Did they swim and go snipe hunting and all these different things? Sure they did. <laughs> By the way, if you've never been snipe hunting, Koi can take you after church today. Um, but Kendall got to go. So... <laughs> But they encourage one another, even at that age. We have a men's group that meets on Tuesday morning. We come together. The ladies are beginning to meet in August. Uh, they're coming together to encourage one another complete in Christ. We'll the word complete means to be mature or to grow up. Now, we're all at different levels of this, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually. And you know what? We need to celebrate each other, whether we're physically or physically mature or not, spiritually mature or not, uh, emotionally mature or not. We're all at different levels, and so that's where we want to encourage one another uh, so that we're all continuing to grow. By the way, I have no way of judging who's the most spiritually mature among us, but whoever that is still needs to grow, whoever that is, whatever ranking that God sees that in still needs to grow. We must deepen in Christ in our character, in our conduct, in our attitude, and in our actions. Amen. Paul would write correcting the church for its lack of growth from time to time. Um, you ever get frustrated with yourself because you're like, man, I knew better than that. I knew that I should not have reacted that way, have said that, have talked to my wife that way, talked to my kids that way, whatever. I know better than that. Well, Paul would write correcting the church for its lack of growth from time to time, and we know that the Word of God was not written just for then. It was written to us today. Um, and so in 1 Corinthians, uh, you don't have to turn there, 
um, but just to give you a point of reference, in 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through the first part of chapter 3, Paul talks about spiritual and carnal people. We're doing, we've done this as well, spiritual people and fleshly people. You're, you're driven by your flesh. Um, now, in that verse, when we're talking about 1 Corinthians, uh, I mentioned the name Tony Evans. He did speak at our conference, by the way, this year, and he was pretty amazing. If you've never heard Tony Evans, look him up. He's a great person to put on your podcast or to listen to as you're working. Uh, amazing man of God and an amazing teacher. But he came up with this. He said that he feels it takes approximately five years for people to move from a place of carnality to spiritual maturity if they are dedicated to the growth. And I thought, well, where'd you get that from? So this was based on his study and his experience. So a new believer to really get to a place of spirituality and no longer carnal ways of, of living life, about five years is, is his estimation. Um, by the way, this is why we must be patient with new believers. We've got to be, don't we? We've got to be patient with new believers because they are continuing to grow. So where'd that five years come from? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians that it had been five years since he was with them, and he was surprised that they were still carnal. He said, guys, it's been five years. Where I get that from, by the way, where he gets that from, the church was established in about 50 A.D., 51 A.D., and this letter was believed to be written about 56 A.D., so that's that five-year mark. So in his estimation, he's saying about five years. If, if, um, you, know, if you are truly dead through 14, which is where I had you turn, uh, Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11, it's going to talk about the process of maturity, okay? So let's go with this, uh, beginning in verse 511, and we're going to go through uh, verse 14 here. He says, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, and especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and does not know how uh, to do what is right. Solid food... Uh, is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So again, I said this was a letter of, a portion of the letter of rebuke that Paul was giving to this church at Corinth um, as he was writing this. And he's, what I want to bring about today and part of this is, what does it look like to be a mature believer or one who is maturing? And he's going to offer the illustration of the difference between drinking milk and having steak. Now, I told Stasha last night, I said, I really need to stop by the store on the way in the morning, on the way to church in the morning, and buy a steak and buy milk. I'm lactose intolerant, so it would have to be like lactose-free milk. So, um, or I could take the lactate pill, and I guess I'd be fine. Anyway, I was going to present a beautiful steak, vegetarians who don't eat meat, and there's some people who don't drink milk. And, but I'm telling you what, what goes better with a warm chocolate chip cookie or a fudgy brownie than a glass of milk? Am I right? Coy, he just upped the ante there. He said chocolate milk even goes, it goes even better. Whew, man, Choi, we'd have people bouncing all over the pews today. That would be awesome. That's how we need to really get our worship services, you know, where we're like, whoo, like Jamaica. That's what they do in Jamaica. We're getting ready to head there, by the way, right? We have chocolate milk for breakfast. No, we don't. Uh, we really don't. I'm just kidding. So as we read through this, um, we also find that in this particular portion, that some of these saints had been believers, 
for about 30 years. So they should have been at this place of eating meat, eating the solid food, eating the steak. And uh, like I said, I was going to bring that today, present that, but then I thought, you know what, we'd want to get out here even earlier to go to the steakhouse to eat this morning. But let's look at the difference between milk Christians and meat or solid food Christians and what he means by all these things. Because as you read this, there's a symbolism. What does it mean? Well, let's look at a milk Christian first, someone who has to have milk. By the way, as we're um, contrasting these two things today, I remember back to when my kids, and some of you are here, we used to have babies, when my kids were making that transition to as well. They would love to drink the milk and all these things. But then when you introduce solid food, man, they were all about that, except for when they were tired. What did they want? Baba. Baba. I want my bottle. They were, they were kind of learning these things. They were wanting to draw back uh, to that bottle. So let's look at the difference here between milk Christians and, and uh, meat Christians. Look at milk Christian first. A milk Christian doesn't have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong because they haven't been trained. See, this is what I think about, uh, you've heard me say this before, when we harp on a generation, whether it be mine that's Gen X or the uh, baby boomer generation or Generation X, Generation Z, millennials, whatever, part of the reason why they face deficiencies is because they haven't been trained. And I always go back to whose fault is it that they act the way they act? Whose fault is it that you, that me, that we act the way we act? There's that part of training that's there. But also, there's part of receiving that has to happen, because you can train all day long and someone not receive, right? So there's a, there's a dual thing that has to, has to be able to happen there. What it means by a milk Christian that doesn't have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong because they haven't been trained, it means they don't go into God's Word for life's answers. It's not their habit to go to the Word first. See, that's training that has to happen because how often do we want to go to some other source go to something different? Well, as part of the church, we want to begin to, starting with our kids, teach them, go to God's word first. That's where the answers to life are, directing them to the word of God. You know, I think of, uh, I think of Wyatt and Clay, since we're using them, you know, this morning, been praying for them. Our goal, that as, and their parents' goal especially, as they go out, moving to Illinois, going to Paris Island, is that when they come up against things, there's not the comfort of home that's there, but they're going to God's word first. That's the mark of a mature believer, someone who is not reliant upon the milk of God's word. Think about an athlete who trains to be better at their position. Now, here in NASCAR country, we have uh, pit guys who work very hard on changing tires and uh, I go every Tuesday to a, a Bible, uh, a race shop to do a Bible study, and as I go in there, they're doing their pit training. I'll walk into the gym, and you have these big guys who are just pumping the iron and, and um, the different things that they have there for their training. They are working hard to advance their position. Now, many of you in your careers, you will seek training to advance your position. I think of Sarah when she tells me about the time she has to go to a different hair conference. That's coming up soon, right? Like this time of year, she has to go to a hair conference so that she can learn how to learn the latest styles, I'm assuming, different trades, different tools that you're able to do. They go, these athletes go to the right place where they can be trained. And here's what I found. They must be able to submit themselves to the trainer and follow the instructions. So there's two different, there's two things. One, there has to be a submitting to the trainer, but two, a willingness to do the work that it takes to be able to change. And so that's what he's talking about here. We want to be people of God's word that it is our habit to go to his word first. 
That's the sign of a mature believer. And as a milk Christian, that's not the case. So just as you train for sports, for work, train for godliness. In this case, the believer must show up to church, to Bible studies, to home fellowships, to work gatherings, uh, to Bible studies at work like what I do, and submit themselves to the trainers. You know, even at home fellowship like um, Wayne and Cheryl, is that starting, is that tonight? That's happening tonight. You can show up to Wayne and Cheryl's home um, where they have a home fellowship. They are continuing the discussion uh, from today. Submitting yourselves to those type of things. What's happening? You are building up your spirit. You are learning how to go into God's word. Uh, and, and here's the reason for this. I was having a discussion with a young man earlier this week. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm a new believer and he said, I'm finding myself kind of torn between I've got some amazing, amazing new Christian friends, but then I've got all that stuff. And I said, you need both because you're being trained by your Christian friends and your bar friends, the, the people that you hang out with, they're going to begin to see something different in you and they're going to have a life change too. You need both, but we must mature in Christ so that we can bring others along with us and learn how to think first. So when I'm hanging out with my bar friends, I have the wisdom of God's word to say, that's enough, or don't let your thought process go there, or this is how you bring your friends along. We've got to have both, amen? But we train ourselves. It's our habit to go to the word, word first. Talking about a milk Christian, we said he doesn't have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong because they haven't been trained. Another aspect, a milk Christian can hear 52 sermons a year, yet still never experience life change. See, there's that, sub that's, there's that part of submitting yourself to the teacher to listen, but not doing anything about it. You ever had made this statement to your kids or to your spouse before? Did what I just say go in one ear and out the other? Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you've said that yourself. That's what we're talking about. Christians, we must develop the ability and the skill to search God's word out. Man, there was a lot of elbows flying. <laughs> to, to search God's word out for ourselves. Find believers who can do this and hold on to them. Hold me accountable how to go to God's word first rather than everything else. Will you help me in this? Ask questions. It's okay to do that. And then under a milk Christian, the last thing, a milk Christian is a defeated Christian because they're not growing. I think about the times in my life where I'm experiencing defeat. Now, not challenges. We will always experience challenges. We'll, there'll be tests. There'll be trials, all these things. I'm talking about a defeated life. Everywhere you turn, you're just defeated. This may be a sign of being a milk Christian. And God is saying, um, you know what? Search out God's word, the difficult seasons that you're going through, the defeats, the constant defeats that you're going through. I will help you through those things because we understand this, that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We can conquer that defeat in the name of Jesus. We can do that. Well, let's look at a meat Christian. This is our goal. This is where we want to be. A mature or a meat believer will develop the habit of going to God's word for the answers to life questions first. Where do you go when you need an answer to life's issues? I want you to think about that for a moment. What do you turn to? Do you seek counsel from God's word? Do you seek counsel from other believers who you know are in God's word? For Dr. Phil, what is your habit? What is your go-to first? 
Because here's what I have found, that God's word has something to say about your life situation. And becoming a meat Christian, becoming a mature Christian, is someone who will go to God's word and rightly discern his word. Now, it may take you years to get to that point. But you know what? That's okay. The point is that we are growing in this and that we are surrounding ourselves with other people who can help us in this process. That is that transition season I was talking about when my boys were little, when your kids were little, uh, when you were little. There was that transition season of you would like the meat, but then occasionally you had to go back to the bottle of milk, you know, that, that whole transition. You may be in that transition season. Keep digging. Keep going for it. A meat Christian has the, abil the ability to discern. We saw that in verse 4. That's the difference. I'm able to discern this situation that I'm going through with God's word. Can you discern what you're going through, what's happening in a particular situation because you have gone to God's word and the Lord is teaching you something? I've been chewing on something for about a month, three weeks to a month now, of some, a picture that God had showed me. And I'm still chewing on this. I am still working to discern what God was showing me in this. Maybe it was for me personally. I don't know. But I'm discerning what he is saying with that. A meek Christian has the ability to discern. By practice, he or she has learned to discern or recognize the difference between right and wrong. How often do we resent the word of God's instructions? <laughs> I wrote this question. Oh, man, there's times where I'll be, I'll be corrected by God's word. And I... I almost get to a place of resentment because I enjoyed, let's be honest, there's times where we enjoy the life of sin. Am I wrong? I mean, at least uh, there was a time in our life anyway. Well, we, you know what? It's not hurting anybody. And we resent God's word because it's correcting us, it's changing us, it's causing us to mature. There are those times. I say that today so that you are one, that you're encouraged, that you recognize it's not just you if you're resenting God's word uh, because of what it's saying. You know, <laughs> I don't like it because it's making me change my way of thinking or my lifestyle. Self-indulgence, sexual sins, relating to your neighbor, all these things. Meek Christians will embrace God's word and chew on it so that they can grow. Even though we don't like it necessarily, we'll chew on it so we can grow. This is something that I heard from Tony Evans. He said, milk Christians will say, that's too hard to chew on. I'm going to spit it out. I don't like it. I'm going to spit it out. <laughs> choke on it. Yeah, just choke it down. We're saying meat Christians will embrace God's word, chew on it so they can grow, whereas milk Christians will say that's too hard. Now, let me say this. Milk Christians do know God's word. Like I said, you can hear 52 sermons. You know the word of God. It's the application part. It's where the knowledge becomes wisdom. Knowledge is you know something, but wisdom is how you apply that knowledge, right? Uh, I, I know plenty of people who are smart. I know plenty of people who know a lot of stuff and can spit out all kinds of information, but how do they process that in wisdom and live that out? That's what we're talking about. They know stories, milk Christians. They know verses. The difference in milk Christians and meat Christian is the ability to discern God's word, as we were just reading there. The ability to discern his word. This is life change for me. How often have I been the kind of guy that says, this is life change for Mr. Stowe. This is life change for Kevin. I can, man, I can point out where you need to change in a heartbeat. I hear a message, ooh, Dean needs to hear that one. <laughs> you ever been there? Cheryl needs to hear that. Philip, oh my word, he needs the whole book. You know, they need to hear these. <laughs> 
spoken like a brother. <laughs> hey, you look at you guys. I know. Isn't that crazy? I missed the memo. I almost wore my shirt like that today. Um, <laughs> but we can point out what others need. But meet, milk, uh, meet Christians will say, because they got their shortcomings, and I can point those out. But God's word is saying, uh, David, did you see how this, remember last week? Yeah, this is you, buddy. What does God's word mean? How do I apply it to my life? Going back to earlier, the job of the church is to prepare Christians for the day when we meet Jesus. By the way, I am looking forward to that day. I am looking forward to heaven. That's going to be wonderful, but we've got work to do here now because I want to be presented before him as complete and holy. Thank God for Jesus that he will see us that way. Amen? Amen. To be presented complete without fault. Think about that for a moment. When you stand before Jesus, complete without fault. God has made a way for us to achieve this goal of being complete believers who discern his word and being presented without fault. And it's found in, first, uh, it's found in Colossians chapter 1. If you want to turn there, we'll spend the remainder of our time there. Colossians chapter 1. And of course, we understand our, our, our standing before Jesus spiritually is that we are complete, we are holy, we are mature. But there's a part of our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, that is becoming complete. We can't get any more saved than we are now. We're going to heaven, but our actions, our thought processes, our, our will, our emotions, all those things must to be complete and holy before him. Colossians 1 uh, verse 22, it says, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ and his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Did you catch that phrase there? He has, caught, he has brought you into his own presence. Talking about the presence of God. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Yet... Now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ and his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without that fault. So that kind of repeated there. Uh, verse 23, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. So we see there it is possible to drift away from that. We want to surround ourselves in church. We want to surround ourselves with believers uh, we want to surround ourselves with God's word so that we continue to stand firmly. It goes on to say, The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ continued for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations wanted them to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. There was a mystery throughout the Old Testament of how we would get to this place. And Paul is revealing the ministry, or the mystery because Jesus had come. And that is the presence of God living in you. This gives you an assurance of sharing his glory. You know what gives us an assurance of that day when we stand before Christ? He has given us his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, which dwells within us that is a guarantee. And he's saying, seek my word, search out my word. My Holy Spirit is within you, teaching you, convicting you, correcting you, instructing you. These are people who love the meat 
of God's word. You love to go to God's word for answers. I look around this room and I have seen people who have gone to God's word for answers and we have tremendous testimony of what's happening. Church, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep going back to his word. I remember my pastor one day, he said, you know, um, he was talking about preparing a message and all of these things and, and he said, Sunday mornings are a time where you come in and the grill master, whoever's speaking that particular day, uh, by the way, uh, the first week in August, Stasha will be speaking, I'll be in Jamaica, and then Matt will be speaking the week after that. Pair a meal. And prayerfully, it is a delicious meal for you. Luke's getting hungry down here, man. He's like, will you stop talking about food? I can see it. You're just smiling like, ooh, steak, where are we going for lunch? Um, but have taken time to prepare a meal of meat and potatoes and a vegetable on the side. And uh, I heard that I'm going to have cheesecake this afternoon at council meeting. Yeah, so I know, right? Blackberry cobbler at your house later today. Okay, all right. They have taken time to prepare this so that as you come out, as you come into this place, you had to do no work to receive of God's word today. Praise the Lord for that. I love it whenever I take my study times and my personal times to hear prepared messages. But what do you do the other six days of the week? You don't have to have milk. <coughs> you can go to God's word. You can begin to discern and you can make your own meat and potatoes. Vegetarians, I guess it would be tofu and something. <laughs> the meat eaters are like, how sad. <laughs> but you can prepare your own meal spiritually. That is the goal of the church. That's the goal of the church. Notice the secret mystery that has been revealed in the kingdom of God. It's Jesus. It's his presence. The eternal perspective and assurance of God's... My prayer is, God, help us get there. Help me, help me get there. You know what? As a pastor, <clears throat> excuse me, I haven't arrived. But I'm working toward it. I'm seeking out his word. We're all doing this together, amen? We're all doing this together. The mystery has been revealed, as we see in verse 26. It was kept secret for centuries, generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people, and it's Christ in you. The revealed mystery is the fact of God's presence. Jesus didn't come to save us. Let me say this. Jesus didn't come to just save us. He came to indwell us. Big difference. Big difference between just being saved and the presence of God indwelling you. Invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to fill you fresh each and every day. Go to his word each and every day. Allow him to fill you. Allow him to indwell you. Don't be satisfied with just getting to heaven someday because Christ wants to present you to wants to present you complete and this is the hope of glory, his presence that's within us. Your change comes from within, not from without. You can hear a great message today. Take it in, internalize it, begin to chew on it, seek out. That is a Christian who is going to God's word. May we all be to, at this place where we're doing this. Change comes within, not from without. And who is within us? The presence of Christ. It's his Holy Spirit. Christ doesn't want, check this that statement out. Christ doesn't want to just be in your life. He wants to be your life. 
Christ doesn't want to just be in your life. He wants to be your life. I wish I had a dollar, not necessarily a dollar, we'll say a dollar for missions. I wish I had a dollar for missions every time someone asked me, how is it that I bring my work world and my Christian world together because I feel like I have to separate them? You don't. Christ wants to be your life. Just like I told this young man earlier this week, you need both sets of friends. One, you're being encouraged, you're being lifted up. The other one, you're hanging with people who need to be encouraged and who need Jesus and who need to be lifted up. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed day by day. You and I may be getting older physically, but we can be growing younger spiritually. See that verse? That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are now this week. And it allows you to take a picture of yourself, and you can push the old button, and it will show you what you're going to look like in 30 years. You didn't need to do that. <laughs> I pulled up my phone, and there was a picture of Mr. Stowe there. It was the craziest thing. No, I didn't do that. But it will show you we're all getting older. There's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm, Luke looks at me, and Wyatt looks at me, and they think, wow, that guy's 44. He is ancient. You know, Emily looks at her, her dad, we'll say that, and thinks, man, he is really old. You know, and then we look to other people, and we think, wow, they are really old. Here's the thing, we're all growing older, but we can be renewed spiritually every single day because of the presence of God that is within us. Christ in you provides newness and freshness even as we get older. So let's, let's kind of wrap this up here. How do we get, I didn't say close, I just said wrap it up. How do we get the indwelling Christ to bring transformation to where we're becoming that meek Christian. Colossians 1.28 continues this thought. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. So here's what we do. Tell others about Christ. Church among us in this room, which I think is Emily, from the youngest to the oldest among us. I'm not going to point out anybody on that one. Wyatt, as you go to Marine Corps, your job is, I mean, I was going to say get strong. You're already there. But to train physically, to serve your country, and those opportunities to tell people about Jesus. Clay, as you head out to Illinois, you know, you're going to be taking pictures. You're going to be hanging with coworkers. You're going to meet new people all around the world. Let your light so shine before men that they glorify your Father in heaven. That's our job. That's what we are to do. Tell others about him. Proclaim him. Bring everything back to Jesus. How is it that you can move all the way across country at 20 years old? You know what? I know God has a purpose for my life, and I'm just going to fulfill it. Right now, it's through taking pictures and video and a gift that God, by the way, extremely gifted in that area. My job every Sunday and Wednesday and wherever we meet is to remind you of Jesus. Your job is to respond. Your job as you go out Monday through, well, really Sunday through Saturday, 24-7, is to do the same thing. Point people to Jesus. That's a mature believer. Point people to Jesus. So tell others about Christ. Warn everyone. That word there in other translations is admonish. When we admonish or teach someone, we are guiding them into their use of information. 
I want to admonish you, teaching people what I'm doing today. I'm admonishing you to share your faith. I'm admonishing you to go to God's word to get the answers that you need. You do the same thing. Number three, um, how do we get the indwelling Christ to bring transformation? Teaching everyone with the wisdom that God has given. That's wisely applying that, that truth. Here's what I mean by that. I teach a men's group differently than I teach a children's group. It's the same truth, but how I teach it is differently. Whenever I go to meet with the men's group um, at the race shop on Tuesdays, and I'm talking about building your foundation on Jesus Christ, you know what illustration I use? The surface plate. And for all you NASCAR people, you know what I'm talking about. The surface plate is 100% completely flat. It is the foundation that they build a race car on. Because if they're off hundreds of an inch, they're going to get penalized. And I compare that surface plate to God's word. That's how you build your life. Now, if I'm talking to a group of builders, what I'm going to do is talk. I don't know a lot about foundations and stuff, but I'll, I'll research that. I will talk to them differently. Same truth presented differently. Right? So teaching everyone with wisdom as God has given you. The church was not just created so you could come and hear sermons. I want to say that again. The church was not created just so you could come and hear sermons. You not need to hear me for sermons because there are far better community. This is the part you don't have to amen. There are far better communicators online and on TV. I'll amen that. It's true. There are far better communicators online and on TV and on podcasts that you can hear. You don't need a bond, abundant life for a sermon, just a sermon. You don't need me or the teachers of Abundant Life for teachings. You can get that online. You can go to Right Now Media and all kinds of stuff's geared there for your children, for you, for your marriage. You don't need Abundant Life necessarily for that. You don't need Abundant Life for our worship leaders and our band for worship music because you can buy CDs, you can listen to the radio, you can get digital downloads. There's Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music. All these things where you can get worship music. You don't need abundant life for that. You need, however, the church to be in context of admonishment. You do need the church. You don't need me to preach to you. You don't necessarily need Sarah to lead worship like she did this morning. You don't need the children back, or the teachers back here necessarily, but you do. But you do, because that's where community happens and admonishment happens, which is why we can confidently send out Clay and Wyatt and eventually Christian with church family. Are there better teachers out there? Sure. Are there better bands out there? Sure. But how do they impact your life? That's why we need the church. I know it's hard when the church gets all up in your business. got some deans standing over you come with me to walmart we're going to evangelize no we're not yes we are you need the church to get up in your business but the church needs to be in your business when it comes to accountability so that we don't drift away we need this growth takes place in community thank you for being here today thank you for being here today allow the indwelling of christ to be set loose in you his presence is what brings transformation. If you're not changing, you're not maturing. We need to be ready for that day presented before Christ. Be ready, not just for that day, but for today. 
I love how Tony Evans closed this particular part with this illustration. He says, when you have been to the Ritz or the Four Seasons Hotel, Motel 6 just won't do anymore. I remember when we were traveling with Arca, there, it seemed like whenever Stasha did not go with me, I had the nicest hotel. This is with the heart of gratitude because race teams would provide, different race teams would provide hotels for us. So completely with the heart of gratitude, otherwise we'd have had to pay for it. But I remember we went to this one hotel and I mean, I, I, think, I think roaches were scared to stay there. It was, it was pretty bad. It, it was. It was real. And I, honestly, we came this close to like, you know, we'll just get our own hotel, but we didn't. We, we didn't want to offend, right? So we, um, I think we wrapped ourselves in cellophane or something. I don't know, <laughs> but we stayed there that night. The very next week, I had to go to Iowa, and so Stasha didn't. You know, I flew to that one, I think, so she didn't go. It was an extra expense. I had a suite that I stayed in. It was like three rooms, a kitchen, a living area, e extremely nice. And, you know, I was always thankful wherever I stayed, but I always remembered the best hotels. Because whenever you stay at a Ritz or a Four Seasons or a Carlton or whatever they're called, the Motel 6 just won't do anymore, right? Now, if all you know is Motel 6, it's okay. You're comfortable with that. How am I, what am I saying here? If all you know is church on Sunday, you are missing the Ritz Hotel. Yeah, exactly, yeah. If all you know is best, because he wants to transform your life, he wants to give you more, he invites you to go to another level. This is not a life without suffering, this is not a life without challenges, but you will have someone to help you through that. And when you will turn to his word, as you're going through this struggle, as you're going through this trial, and you will say, God is with me, and I have something to be thankful for. You won't be a defeated Christian anymore. I want us to stand this morning, Miss Vicki. If you'll come on up. Take a few minutes here to respond. And I want you to listen. Here, here's the question as we're closing out in prayer. Are you changing or are you staying the same? Will you allow the Lord to mature you through his word, through other believers, and through church leaders? Let's be people who are focused on the meat of God's word. Will you take just a few moments as we're closing out today, like 30 seconds, and say, God, I want to grow, I want to mature, and so I'm committing myself to the church, I am committing myself to growth, I am committing myself to daily reading of your word and learning how to apply his word. Will you take a few moments and respond to the Lord? And Dean and Rachel, if you guys will come on up here, um, they're gonna be available to agree with you in prayer as we close out this service today. Um, you're, you're tired of being a milk Christian. Come, come face life whenever it gets difficult, and I'm sick of not knowing how to do it. Let's just take a few moments to pray before the Lord.